Alex, has your life changed? Is everything different now? Speak to me, Duder. <laughs> that was inspired. I, when you... I wasn't... I'm going to be honest. When they yeah. sent you up there to go be up in character by yourself, I looked to Brad and I was like, I don't know what the next minute of this is going to be. I I didn't either, to be completely <laughs> honest with you. That's why I was like, this should be amazing. And you yeah, pull, you, you know, pulled it off like very you well. Got, you got Dave Lang. You got Jeff Gersman. You got Jeff Green. You got all these people that are, you know, making up these these really elaborate characters. I didn't really think of that, honestly. <laughs> I just said, I'm just going to put on a mask and grab a belt and we'll see what happens. And then uh, that was what happened. Uh, the, the Speak to Me Duders was a play on uh, the Ultimate Warriors typical intro, which is Speak to Me Warriors. Oh, that's right. That is right. I forgot about that. That is the era of wrestling that I paid deep attention to was that. The, the height of Hulkamania and, I don't know, did Warrior have a cat? Warrior Mania, Ultimate Warriors, he had a lot Warriors. Of, he had a lot of weird words that he would use, you know, the, 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 mostly he just talked about death a lot. He, he invented the term destrusticity, which is not actually a word, but, you know, he just, it was Warrior never, it does what like, Warrior wants to do. It wasn't Hulkamania, it wasn't Macho Madness, it was just, that dude was fucking insane and that was kind of it. So, yeah. yeah. What did you think of that panel? As someone who does not watch wrestling, as someone who just is watching a bunch of his friends act like idiots uh, for for like a straight hour, what did you, what did, how how did you find that? It mostly just reminded me that wrestling does not may not have changed very much from the last time I checked in. <laughs> the nope. char- it's kind of it's kind of the same thing, and you know I definitely get why people uh, enjoy it. You know I was being. You know, I'm I'm often just glib about you know my approach to wrestling these days. Sure. Like I was as into it as anyone could get into wrestling uh, back in the '90s. Actually, dressing up as the Ultimate Warrior for Halloween and and things like that. But nice. I don't. I find the characters less interesting these days. But maybe that is just because I don't have a deep investment or have been paying very close attention. But the the Rumble itself was oh man, I it was re- really great how they structured it because yeah. The moment that you actually had to talk about the game, it was like, oh, oh, wait, there's like very little to say about what's happening on this screen, which was why it was great that like literally every like minute someone was getting thrown out and then someone new was coming in. I genuinely thought more people were going to practice. I feel kind of like an asshole for being like the one who spent so much time rehearsing that game, though, I, to be fair. I brought my N64 with me, and I got Jeff and Rich in there so they could practice up, so they could get, you know, ready to go, because neither of them had touched those games in ages. I don't think Rich's uh, N64 worked anymore. So I was, like, trying to help other people, well, you know, it was, get ready. It was Rich's copy of the game. It was. Which he made, like, a very quick point about after the panel. I went up to uh, kind of help get some of the glass together uh that, yeah. that drake was trying to clean up because another panel was trying to come in oh and my god so him and i were, were chatting and he's like you know i thought that alex would give me just a little bit of a break given the fact that it was my goddamn cartridge that allowed him to practice this goddamn game and yet you showed no mercy no mercy uh even though we were playing wrestlemania 2000 uh yeah the only uh the only alliance i stuck with the whole way through uh, was with game designer Samantha Kalman. Uh, she and I made a pact over email 
Uh, we had a we had a thread going where we decided that we were going to make sure that we were the last two in the ring if we were in there together. Man, that's funny. So yeah, I, I'm trying to remember. I think so. At our panel, I turned heel on Giant Bomb, low blow Jeff. Drake turned on Lang, and I had formed an alliance with Drake as you know, sort of the harm. I joined Team Harmonic stable. And then as soon as I threw Drake out of the ring during the Royal Rumble, I took off my rock band jacket and had my giant bomb hoodie underneath. So I did like a double reverse uh, betrayal kind of thing. And then Rich, I think, thought, I don't know why Rich thought I was going to save him because I never, I never agreed to that. <laughs> yeah, there was, there was a moment I was sitting uh, with uh, Vinny uh, and Drew and Brad and there was a moment early on where I was like, oh, God damn it, Alex can't win this. Like, he's been practicing. Like, he's just going to methodically slaughter his way to the top. But then as that continued to go on, I was like, it, now this has to be the way it ends. Because now it's going to be really <laughs> shitty if Alex loses. Like, there are only two ways this goes. You got ejected immediately or the guy who practiced went all the way to the top. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, you know, obviously the true champion won. And I'm, I'm eternally <laughs> grateful for that. But you know what? There's a lot. There's a lot to unpack here. You know, like Dave Lang was never officially uh, eliminated. Neither it's was true. Dan Teasdale. So they have a legitimate beef. You know, if they wanna, if they want a title shot at some point, I'm willing to give it to him. Dan Reichert was not able to make it out to Pax East. Zoe so Quinn. Zoe Quinn was. Uh, you know, she she wasn't able to make it uh, as well. She was originally going to be signed up for for that thing. Yes, I'm heard she was taken out outside of the ring, so she had to be not quite, li quite literally coughed yeah. too hard and bruised a rib. <laughs> oh god, that's horrible. So yeah, there's there's a lot of legitimate you know uh, claims to the throne there, and I'm willing to take on any and all comers. Maybe Pax Prime, you know, we'll have a rematch. We'll see what happens. But uh, it was a great right like I, it was a great use of like a Pax panel. You know, yeah. I, I you know I figuring out what to do. It packs like when I when I thought about you know pitching other things like it's really challenging. I find just like the general sort of uh, pick a topic and put some people up there and have them talk about it to be just kind of boring. So I've never really gone through with any of those. And you know I mean I, you know in some ways that's kind of what the bombcast is, but like not really. Yeah. And the Royal Rumble is just a like just genius. Like it leverages the fact that everyone is there. It leverages a bunch of people who know each other and can have fun and be stupid. And, yeah, I don't know. I, I thought it was it was great. Whether they do, like, a wrestling one or not, you know, at, at PAX Prime or anything else, they can probably – I think they could probably stretch this joke at least one more time is how yeah. I feel like maybe this could go. But the idea of finding, like, multiplayer games and getting a bunch of people together to do that, like, live on stage or thing like PAX, I think that is a fantastic idea. Totally, and all the credit in the world to Eric Pope and Aaron Trites, who were the uh, the two main organizers of this event. They they set up all the rules. They got everything together. They got fucking Todd Sinclair, who is an actual referee, like I think the head referee for Ring of Honor Wrestling, uh, to come in and officiate the panel, which I thought was amazing. When that was revealed to me, because I just assumed that was I just a like guy, a friend of theirs or something, right? Yeah. And then as as they you know were introducing the panel and and then chatting with him. Afterwards, uh, uh, outside, could, could not be a nicer guy. Like, oh, yeah. Just such a nice, funny dude. And I love the fact that that's what he does for a living because that's what he loves. And the fact that, uh, you know, Aaron uh, of Harmonics was saying that they never expected him to show up. because, And it actually, it was the one weekend where he could show up. He's like, yeah. yeah, I'm like solid booked for the next month at all sorts of different events. 
Yeah, he was he was super happy to be there, super grateful. I talked to him for a little bit afterward, and he was you know he asked if I was going to the New York show in in May. <laughs> That's right. So. So I'll see him there, you know, you know, hopefully I'll get a chance to chat with him again. That was great. I have a question for you, though. Mm-hmm. Uh, when it comes to our panel yeah. that uh, occurred on Saturday night, how much of what went down that night did you know was going to happen beforehand? So, yeah, people have – that question has become fairly constant once the, the animated GIF uh, appeared in which I do show real genuine surprise uh, yeah. over what just went down. So I knew – like we, you know, obviously because we were gonna have to get all off the stage and and stuff like that. I I knew that wrestling was going to happen. The promos were going to close out the show, and I knew that uh, sugar bottles were going to be involved. But I, you know, the way it actually all sort of played out wasn't actually all that scripted. Like you know, there was the general sense that. Jeff and Dave were gonna kind of talk shit to one another, and then Dave was gonna work his way down and get the harmonics. But like, you know, when that bottle actually got broke on Dave Lang's head like a couple feet from my face it still felt kind of real <laughs> yeah yeah it i mean the energy of it was super crazy and you that 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 look of surprise is generally one of my favorite things that came out of that entire panel because it, it was it was like i knew this was happening but to actually have it occurring so close to your face and they sold it well it's like yeah. well maybe this is this is, I guess, what a little bit of what it was like when I was so so into wrestling when I was so young <laughs> and didn't know any better. But then even when I do know better and you're that close to it, it still feels kind of crazy. Uh, it was so great. And I'm so glad that Jeff Green was a good sport and willing to run up there shirtless and act like an idiot to Hulk Hogan music. That, that even was, when that he was just, just got a new job, he is still willing to go far beyond those of most mortal men. And that's what that makes Jeff Green Jeff Green. Uh, well, I think that's enough wrestling talk just to kind of kick things off here. There was a lot more to PAX, obviously. Yeah, I mean, but that wrestling. was that was certainly, you know, I mean, uh, Vinny and, and Rich had a producer panel that afternoon that it sounds like folks got to go to, and then Jeff was on a uh, four-fouring it with Pat Bear and, and Max Timken and uh, Pope. Uh, yep. But, uh, yeah, that in, in terms of Sunday highlights, a way to sort of end, at least my experience at PAX, that was, that was one hell of a way to go out. Uh, yeah. But... Yeah, that it was. was uh, oh, here's a question. Okay. So we didn't we didn't really tell you how that giant bomb New York panel was gonna segment was gonna go down. Yeah, yeah. So I had an idea that that was going to happen, <laughs> but I didn't really I didn't really understand what was going to happen. Because there, there, I, we the, the idea had been that there'd be you know giant bomb Chicago and then giant bomb New York, and we we had talked about putting Vinny up there because. He's from the area, and we could fudge it so that you'd have someone to talk to. And then when I saw Vinny run away into the crowd mm-hmm. to help uh, Rory out, and then I saw J- Jeff realize that's what was happening, and I saw this this look in his eye where he was going to let this happen anyway. Sons yeah. of bitches, all of you. <laughs> <laughs> no, you, had, you know what? You I handled I it very to- well. You know what? When they were telling me that that was going to be a thing and they were just sort of like, oh, I don't know. You know, Vinny will go up there. Maybe you guys can talk about pizza or something or whatever. I was like, you guys are going to pull something on me, aren't you? Like, I knew there was a swerve coming. I didn't know what it was, but I, I had a feeling that it might involve me standing up on stage alone. So there were two ways I was going to play it. It was either going to be doing exactly what I did, which was just milk the discomfort of the moment as much as humanly possible. 
Uh, or I was just going to yell, Baba Booey, Baba Booey, Howard Stern's penis, Howard Stern's penis, and then run out of the theater. That was going to be the end of it. <laughs> I think so, the awkwardness was the best choice. I feel yeah. you got the audience behind you in a really great way, too. Uh, it was it was great. It was a great I, reaction. I was, I was like, you know, for as goofy and awkward as that all was, like, I was really happy with, with how it turned out. Like, I went back and watched it, and I felt like, okay, I played that the right way. That's good. I feel okay about it. Well, and it's okay because even though I, you know, laughed at you while that happened, I had my own moment at your at that damn wrestling panel where that's right. I pulled you up for no reason. I'm just sitting there, and then all of a sudden, like, you know, because the way chants catch on are interesting, right? Like, it's yeah, someone can start a good chant, and for whatever reason, it's at the wrong moment or just not loud enough, or for all sorts of reason, doesn't catch on. But one guy shouted Patrick Klupik, and then it just caught on fire really quickly. And I thought I would just, I was going to let it just die. I was like, I, th- nope, I'm not, not going to engage with this. I'm not going to, I'm not going to do this. Brad looks at me and he goes, I, I did, what just happened? I was like, I don't know. I'm really hoping it stops. <laughs> and then of course it didn't stop. And then at that point, Pope was forced to acknowledge it. I was like, well, I really hope this crowd realizes they just picked someone that doesn't <laughs> really care for wrestling or have anything informative to say, but don't worry. I'll get up there anyway. Well, no, see, what this is going to lead to is that now you're going to have to be the lead announcer on all wrestling panels from here on out. You're going to be the Michael Cole of video game wrestling. It's going to be fantastic. Everyone's going to fucking hate you. You're going to be mm-hmm. awful at your job, but mm-hmm. you will be incredibly successful at it. You know what? I can take that. I can take that. You know, yeah. I'll just I'll just deal with that, and uh, that'll, be, <laughs> that'll be my cross to bear. But at I least I'll it. be successful at it, so yes. I guess I can't really be upset. Totally, totally. Uh, I don't know, dude. Was there anything we didn't... I'm trying to. We talked about a, a decent number. Well, of you games. had your panel on Friday. I did. Yeah, I had my panel Zoe Quinn on Friday, which uh, went went really really well. Uh, we we packed the house. It's you know not quite uh, bombcast numbers, but it, I did not expect. It was the room was bigger than I thought. Fit it's a something good like theater. yeah, fit something like 800 people, maybe a little less, and uh, we fit uh, all but uh, a couple of spots uh, in there. And uh, yeah, you know, for people that weren't there, our, our you know our panel was. Uh, Sort of a split between me and Zoe Quinn. I did a rewrite of uh, my TEDx talk from last year that was also a little bit more games focused because when I when I gave the TEDx talk, I knew that every time I referenced a social networking service that wasn't Facebook or Twitter or a video game or a video game website or a video game personality, I had to set up all of that stuff. Whereas I could kind of speak a little more directly uh, to an audience that is. At PAX, so I definitely rewrote it for that audience, and also just some of the the stuff I had learned uh, since then. Uh, and then uh, Zoe uh, talked about uh, basically, you know, she's dealt with all sorts of weird crap on on the internet uh, as well. And I thought she had a really great take on on her presentation, which was uh, that she asked uh, anyone that used to sort of self-identify or look back on uh, their actions on the internet as being kind of a a total dick. Uh, or someone that trolled people, or things of that nature. If they ever changed and stopped doing that, she asked those people to email her and just run a very unscientific poll uh, or trend analysis of what sort of led people to to stop acting that way. And so she kind of right. walked through different things that people had uh, expressed to her and different trends that she had noticed. And I thought that was that was really smart because it was very personal. Uh, but at the same time, like you know, three hundred plus people is a pretty pretty decent sample size. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I, the thing that struck me most about both of your guys' talks, I mean, that 
I think that presentation was the best version of that talk you have given. It was extremely well articulated. You know, it had a good flow to it. And I think that Zoe's points were also really well articulated. Like, you covered a lot of ground in your, you know, individual short segments. And, uh, you know, like you said, that polling that she did was really interesting. You know, as someone who was a teenager on the very early incarnations of the internet before, you know, everything was sort of logged and everything could be, you know, kind of dug up, you know. You and me both. Later on. Yeah. Like, I remember myself being an absolute shithead to people when I was, like, you know, 16 years old in, like, Yahoo chat rooms and stuff. And, you know, it's interesting to because I could say that my reasoning, you know, for, for changing probably emulated a lot of the other people that she heard from. You know, I grew up. I started to realize the way what I was saying, what I was doing was affecting other people. Uh, and I did it, you know, mostly just as a form of trying to get attention or trying to feel powerful or trying to feel, you know, clever or whatever it was. And, you know, kind of hearing those answers emulated by others makes you realize that there is kind of like a, a consistent sort of systemic almost mentality to this stuff that, you know, I think, you know, I don't necessarily think you can eradicate, but at the same time, when you know why people do those things, it becomes a lot easier to sort of realize why that stuff is coming at you and who these people are and what it is that they're really trying to get out of you. Yeah, <clears throat> I think it's useful for to all parties involved, like for the, the person who is the target of, uh, you know, th that sort of stuff coming at them, then it's it's nice to sort of be able to, you know, it doesn't apply to everyone, but once you can start getting a general sense of, you know, how how people are acting while, uh, why people are acting that way, uh, at least allows you to feel a little bit better about it. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, you know, it's, it's. The people that were in that audience, you know, I obviously were not, you know, the people that were speaking about. Uh, although, you know, I saw some people tweeting that uh, there were, there was one tweet in particular. Um, I forget who who said it exactly, but basically they were in line in the queue line for uh, the panel uh, beforehand, and it, there was someone in the line that uh, mentioned that uh, I'm one of those jerks. I want to hear their arguments. Uh, yeah. So there was, you know, certainly probably some people in there that. Uh, are some of the bad actors or bad apples, however you want to sort of characterize it uh, on the internet. And, you know, all you can hope, you know, for me, you know, if someone in the audience or someone that knows someone that was in that audience or someone that watches the archive when it goes up, if just like one person acts a little bit different, a little bit better, like that yeah. stuff is, is worth it to me because, you know, I think Zoe mentioned in uh, her uh, her side of it was that, the part of the frustration with all this stuff is that it happens so slowly. Like the change really does happen at a glacial pace and it yeah. really does happen one person at a time. And it's not about solving or fixing the internet. It's mostly just trying to make it hopefully a slightly better place for slightly more people over a uh, slow amount of time. So, you know, every time I hear from one person that says, hey, that meant something to me and I sort of have tried to think a little bit more about, you know, how I act like, great mission accomplished that was worth two weeks of me stressing of preparing for something and then you know being super nervous giving it and all that because you know one person acts a little bit better because then maybe they you know pass that on and and things of that nature so uh it it, it it's forced that we can't get too much into all we talked about because it was like a whole hour-long thing but I, people have been asking in the chat uh Vinny did film it uh so there is an archive of it that will uh, whether it's on the site or, or on my uh, on my own YouTube channel or, or however it ends up appearing, it sort of depends on, on how it turned out. Um, 
there there will be an archive of it that people can watch uh, at some point. So yeah, uh, hopefully Good. I can get my hands on that sometime this week or next week, uh, and then uh, a lot more of this conversation uh, will will make a lot more sense for folks that can uh, see everything that we had to talk about. Uh, beyond that, I think the only other panel that uh, we any of us were on was the production panel that uh, Vinny and Rich Gallup put together that was also on Sunday. That was not live streamed, but I think it was filmed. I, think I don't Drew, know. I don't know for certain. Don't So don't hold me to that, but I think Drew may have taped it, so hopefully people will get to see that as well. Uh, I didn't get to watch it, but uh, I did get to go into the side room afterward and watch Vinny and Rich hold court over a couple of dozen uh, people from the panel who just asked a million, you know, educational and, and, you know, like, career questions. And it was actually really fun to watch these guys that I've known for, like, ten years, like, holding court over these people and, like, giving all this, like, kind of educational information. It was kind of neat. Yeah, I mean, it's uh, the way, you know, I remember asking Vinny about it at dinner before the before he gave the panel. was like what the sort of aim of his panel was. And it's very much, you know, it's not, hey, let's just show a bunch of funny clips from, from the early days. It's very much, hey, if you want to get into production, here is what I do on a daily basis. Here is how you wrangle people. Here is how you manage groups of individuals. Here is how you uh, deal with all sorts of logistics that is involved in producing because the term producer it's just it's it doesn't communicate a whole lot about what's involved in the actual job. So you know, Rich did that. Vinny still does that. So you know, the panel was very much you know I'm sure it had a lot of people that just wanted to see some of the funny clips, and they did show stuff like that from mm-hmm. from my understanding. But you know, it very much was a technically focused. Here is what it's like to be a producer if you want to get into that. You know, at least from the angle that they've been in. You know, Rich. Uh, you know, I guess Rich now produces games and, you know, was uh, sort of a games site producer. You know, Vinny used to be on things like The Chappelle Show. Like, so they have a pretty wide range of experience beyond just, you know, managing game website idiots like you and me. Yeah. Uh, according to the chat, uh, it was not video recorded, but it was audio recorded. So okay. I guess that will go up as a, a podcast at some point. Sweet. This This felt like, to me... Uh, probably the most participatory packs uh, I've been a part of in a while. Like a lot of panels that we were all on, uh, a lot of stuff that we were all kind of going to and, and being a part of. I didn't get a shit ton of time on the show floor, to be completely honest with you. I got to play a few games, I got to check out a few things that I wanted to see, but I spent more time arguably watching other people play games than actually having the time to get in line and play things myself. What about you, Patrick? Did you have a chance to go out and play some stuff? Did you have a chance to check out anything that was a particular highlight for you? Um, I think I mentioned most of the highlights during our actual uh, yeah. podcast. I, you know, I didn't. Unfortunately, like somehow this that entire weekend, like no, no dump trucks occurred. None. Okay. None. None happened. Uh, I made. I had a lot of meetings actually, but most of them were to catch up with folks to sort of talk about ideas for things in the future as opposed to uh, actually uh, recording updates. A lot, a lot of the games there, honestly, you know, I, I was doing a Sports Friends interview, like particularly useful, like probably, probably not. not. That game, you know, is, is relatively close. So uh, we d- just didn't unfortunately have as much time on the show floor as I was hoping just between the panels I was on, the panels I was preparing for, you know, a dinner with our moderators, our, you know, our, our meetup, like things just kind of all collided together in a way that I didn't get as much time. Uh, like, there, I guess Mugenics was on the show floor, the new game oh, from <laughs> Team Meat, which someone I asked totally me that on that. Sunday just before I left. And I was like, nope, I did not know Mugenics was on the show floor. That 
It really bums me out that I didn't get a chance to see it. I mean, you know, the, Same. If, if people didn't watch, you know, the, the panel live, you know, the highlight of the show for me was absolutely Hyper Light Drifter, um, which, you know, is a game that takes a lot of uh, cues from uh, Link to the Past, Secret of Mana, Earthbound, a lot of any, like, sort of SNES area 16-bit RPG that you hold dear to you, they are taking a cue from and trying to make a game like that in 2014 uh, with this, but with you know the same sort of uh, sort of like tightness of gameplay that you can accomplish uh, these days, that just wasn't possible back then. And that game looks great. Pixel art is a disservice to the stylish nature of what it looks like, uh, and uh, it's it plays phenomenally well. Cool. Yeah, that's that's one I definitely spent a lot of time watching people play. I did not get a chance to get my hands on it. Um, did you play I anything did, else? I played below. I played. Uh, I played I played that transistor demo, which I talked about on the panel, uh, which still looks fantastic, but obviously is out next month, so everyone's gonna get a chance to see that soon. Uh, for me, like you know, the stuff that that really stuck out, like Hotline Miami Two, Darkest Dungeon, looked really rad. Mushroom Eleven, which I didn't really get to talk about very much at the panel, but I I, I spent a while watching people play that game, and uh, that looks really bizarre, uh, but in a very cool way. The other uh, game I wanted to check out that I didn't get to play, and I'm not going to be able to pronounce its names. Yeah. It's the 4D game. Did you see that at all? No. No. Uh, it's uh. Doo -doo -doo. Let me see if I can. I have. For a second there, I thought you were going to say Danganronpa, and I thought it was really funny, but. <laughs> uh, let's see. Just... What is it? Uh, I I sent an email to myself for the trailer. I don't know. Someone will mention it in the chat at some point, but it's like. Mika Kugre. Oh, I'm just going to butcher exactly how that it is. Anyway, it's a game that has literally been around for five plus years. Oh. I saw it at and played it in the IGF years and years ago, uh, like back originally when uh, like uh, Fez was first being shown. Like, this game has been kicking around for a long, long time, and it's showed up again here at uh, PAX East, and I was talking to Alexander Bruce about it because he's been sort of a... Uh, an advocate for it. Alexander Bruce is the creator of Antichamber. And, you know, one of the things that he was mentioning about uh, a game like, uh, what am I just going to keep saying? Mika Kugre? <laughs> I'll just keep <laughs> butchering this name, even though I don't know if that's what it is. Uh, oh, someone in the chat mentioned it. Mika M E I G A K U R E. Mika Kugre? Maybe I was right. Maybe I was right. Maybe that's, that's close. Close enough. Anyway, you know, one of the things that he talks about was that was applicable to antechamber as well was the fact that a game can seem like it's in development forever and it can seem awfully complete but especially when it comes to these uh, s these sort of puzzle games that have all sorts of tiny little cues to help the player solve what's happening on screen uh, that takes years and years and years uh, to get that right so some one I didn't get a chance to play but I heard a lot of buzz about it and uh, I definitely want to try and check that out if I get a chance to uh, in the future yeah yeah it sounds cool it was it was a weird show you know just not a lot of time on the floor uh though what was interesting to me more than anything else was just how big the indie mega booth has gotten in relative size to everything else at the show i mean there were multiple publishers that didn't even show up nintendo was not there at all yep uh the riot games booth was considerably stronger like their presence was much larger than even sony's was uh, it was a really weird kind of, it felt like a little bit of a sea change in terms of like who the big players are at a show like that. I mean, Nintendo and Sony have never been like the most vocal, you know, presences at those shows, but they've always, you know, had a giant booth and, and tons of stuff to show. 
And, you know, for them to kind of have that diminished presence and for the, the indie games to kind of seem to take even more center stages here was interesting. Like, Brad was going so far as to say that he even felt weird, like, sometimes going and playing uh, some of those bigger games at PAX because, like, whatever, that stuff's all going to be at E3 or it'll be out beforehand. And this is the place where, you know, kind of the, the independent scene gets to, to really shine. Uh, I don't know. I, I think I would kind of agree with him on that point. Would, would you as well? Well, you know, it's it's kind of like when anyone comes up and says, hey, you know, it's my first PAX. What should I do? It's like, well, don't go stand three hours in line to see a trailer for the new Assassin's Creed. Like, it's one thing if you're going to stand in line to play, you know, Evolve. That's like a brand new next-gen game and you can play it. Uh, yeah. But, you know, in general, I t- tend to tell you know, folks, don't don't check out that stuff because you can go to the indie section, talk to the people who made this game, and you know what? This game might disappear for three years and or never come out. And yeah. that's kind of the magic of something uh, like events like this, whether it's, you know, PAX or, or, or other conventions where you can go and check out smaller independent games is that sense that, eh, this thing might never come back or the form that it comes back in might be, you know, three years later uh, with a brand new visual style or, or something of that nature. And yeah, you know, I don't know if that's reflective of sort of who holds the influence at uh, things like PAX or if it's the increased nature of conventions in video games where uh, publishers just kind of have to pick and choose their opportunities uh, that make the most sense financially and in terms of their resources. You know, right. it's probably not the case that Nintendo or uh, anyone else that bowed out of uh, PAX East isn't that they couldn't do it. It's more just, does it make sense to put all that time and money into doing it? Yeah, yeah. And, and you know, again, it's a nice to have that that showcase for those those developers and those games. And, you know, honestly, just about everything, with, with like a couple of exceptions, just about everything I saw within the Indie Mega Booth uh, all looked really interesting. Like, those games have gotten considerably more, you know, as their presence has grown, it seems like also the games just seem to get stronger and stronger with each year. Uh, I can rattle off, like, probably 10 or 12 games just from that booth alone that I am, like, itching to play, like, right now. Uh, you know, Darkest Dungeon, Hyperlife Drifter, uh, Lovers in a Dangerous Space Time, like, all that stuff looks amazing. And I don't know. I love it. I love the way things... I love this stuff. I love the, the people who are making those games. I love the, the you know, the fact that that stuff is getting much more spotlight time. And, yeah, I don't know. That was that was PAX for me, was just, you know, standing in that booth, basically, and not really going anywhere else other than for panels. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, it, it was uh, it was a good time, as, as it is always. You know, it's PAX yeah. is one of those things I always, you know, I definitely feel weird about attending. I yeah, have all sorts of reservations about the... Uh, convention and uh, things that you know we've we've covered on this show before. It is yeah. you know maybe one of those things that in the most ideal of scenarios uh, I I would not attend, but there are uh, good things that come out of it for for all sorts of people, and totally. you know, I definitely try and make the best of my time there to feel like I am make an impact in the time uh, that I am there. And uh, you know part of that is you know yeah playing those yeah. playing those indie games, get a lot of those you know folks that maybe are there for Evolve, and then they suddenly see. You know, something like Sports Friends, like that's that's a cool thing. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, there wasn't a ton of news uh, coming out of this year's PAX. Uh, there were a couple of things that were announced here and there, a few, a few pieces of information. Um, right before PAX, Nintendo did make an announcement about a game that's going to be coming to the U.S. that I want to talk to you about for a second. Mm. That, of course, is uh, Tamadachi Life for the 3DS. Tamadachi or Tomodachi? Uh, whatever. 
the point is, I don't know what that game is. Do you watch that, that video? Enti- I did. I watched like ten that entire ten minute video, and I still barely understand what that game is. Patrick, can you help me with this? I feel like it's it's like Animal Crossing, but weirder. It kind of okay. It kind of seems like it. You, I don't know. I don't know anything about Tomodachi Collection. I know that when I've listened to the Eight Four podcast, that they have talked about how amazing it is, yes, and how crazy it is, and how that's never going to come to the U.S. And then now it's suddenly coming to the U.S. and it looks completely nuts. And I'm pretty psyched that it's coming out before E3 because that means I can bring that game to E3. Think comes out June 6, which I think is just the week before E3, and. Uh, I don't know. There's like a big Reggie head, and everyone's trying to date Samus. And if you have not watched that video, it is on our front page of our site. I'm not saying you won't be scarred afterwards, but you should still watch it. It's a scar worth having. It's a scar that you will wear with pride. It's a scar that will make you a better person, knowing that you have seen that and tried to understand that. I don't think you, anyone truly can understand what Tomodachi life actually is. You I'm just, just I'm like, glad it exists though. This is the kind of weird like companies like Nintendo are the only ones that can do this. Companies with millions and millions of dollars to be strange and weird and invest so much time and money. I don't know if I'd call it research, but time and money in weird things like this, only they can do that. And that's I, what I love about it. Deep down, I feel like this could be like, you know, the, the the king in yellow, the play that drove everyone crazy. You know, like this could be the supreme note of art that just like unravels society entirely. Anyone who plays Tomodachi Life past a certain point is just insane beyond repair. And that's just how it all ends, you know, and I'd be okay with that. I think that is, this is the time. They all hail a virtual boy in that trailer. Yeah. Like that Why is. Why wouldn't you? That is Nintendo going, yep, let's just poke fun at that complete fucking failure of a machine that we spent a lot of time pushing a lot of years ago, but don't worry, now we can make fun of it. Yeah, it's like, well, I mean, it's well past the, the usual 10-year mark of whether a tragedy is funny or not, so But yeah, still, like that doesn't seem like the kind of thing that a Japanese company, regardless of 10 years or not, is like, yeah, let's poke fun at this complete abject failure of a thing that we made. Now, I think, is the time for Nintendo to loosen those straps a little bit because, let's face it, they need they need to try anything at this point. And if being a little looser about their image and being a little sillier and putting out something this patently crazy that does not look like something that would ever come out in the United States, putting it out in North America, I say, got more power to them. I hope it goes well. I hope this results in good things for them because I want crazy Nintendo. I want self-aware fucking batshit Nintendo that doesn't give a fuck about, you know, maintaining its kind of weird sort of like button-down image. I mean, not anything too crazy, nothing offensive, but I want them to get weird. I want weird Nintendo because weird Nintendo can often be my favorite Nintendo. Rusty's Real Deal Baseball feels like weird Nintendo starting to creep out a little bit, you know? Yes. And I want more of that. Yeah, I mean... I, you know, I've always maintained that Nintendo is the most interesting when their back is up against the wall. And yeah. I don't, you know, I, I think stuff like this, I don't know if, it, you know, whether it's made out of desperation or not, I don't know. But it's it's the kind of weird, it's the kind of strange, it's the kind of experimental stuff that, you know, maybe Tomodachi Life won't catch on in the way that Brain Age did. But it's trying stuff like this that is what leads to breakthroughs like 
brain age. Uh, yeah. It's, it's something that you look at and you don't even know what to make of it, and no one else would make something like this, and that's exactly why Nintendo sometimes has surprising amounts of success in ways that other companies just aren't able to even fathom. Uh, yeah. And, I, you know, I think them bringing this out in the beginning of the summer – you know, Smash Brothers coming out in the summer. I don't think we met, we talked about that. I think that happened uh, after we were uh, done with uh, show stuff as well. But they announced that Smash Brothers is coming in the summer for 3DS and in the winter uh, for Wii U, which in some ways seems to reflect that they know where their priorities need to be and where they kind of just need to throw scraps so that people don't hate them. Well, there's also so there's also this to consider. If you're going to put out games in the summer, you would think that the handheld games would be the ones that would do the best. You know, the worry always is that kids are going to be on vacation or they won't be around, so they won't be able to play, like, their home console games or what have you. But if you got a 3DS game that's big, that's a game kids will take with them wherever they go. So, you know, if the, the Wii U version isn't going to be ready for the summer, then it makes maybe a certain amount of sense to put that 3DS version out in the summer when kids are going to have their 3DSs with them and, you know, like, get that ball rolling right away. A lot of those kids, I wouldn't be surprised, would still want to play the Wii U version, provided they have a Wii U. I still I, I still don't understand the idea of buying a Wii U for the sake of buying Smash Brothers, but then again, I've never been that big of a Smash Brothers fan, personally. But, that said, I don't think it's as crazy a decision as it seems like it looks like on paper, but you know, it, I don't think it's same. crazy. I think it's surprising. I it is it, surprising. It, it seems unlike Nintendo to stagger the release uh, in a way that I think is really smart because they if that if Smash Brothers does come out on the Wii U in the traditional Nintendo you know just before Thanksgiving uh, sort of window, then they're going to be able to you know assuming the game comes out and people like it, you know, yeah. capitalize on the momentum from the 3DS version people that buy the 3DS version are probably going to buy the Wii U version. It's not a one-to-one, yeah. but you probably are going to get a significant portion of uh, the most diehards wanting to get in on both those games. And it's not like the Evo crowd is going to be playing Smash Brothers on the 3DS. Like they're, They may get their right. bearings on what the game balance is like and, and what their characters they like to play as on the 3DS. But the game's going to get played on the Wii U. So... Yeah. You know, and as you know, Asada Five in the in the chat points out, like if they release at the same time, they'd cannibalize the sales of one another. And this isn't a rem, you know a uh, uh, cross buy situation where they're going to give you both. So right. you know, they probably are going to maximize sales of both. It's just it feels a little unlike Nintendo in a way that uh, I guess I'm just surprised at the business savvy nature of it because that doesn't usually seem like their forte with things like yeah. this. Yeah, it's, you know, whatever, regardless. I think it's an interesting move, and I, I look forward to seeing how it turns out. I mean, not that I'm really that excited to play either version of Smash Brothers. I mean, at this point, Mario Kart is the thing I'm more looking forward to. You know what? That I game probably... actually looks legit kick-ass, though. I'm I know! Not, not to take away from... Uh... You and me. We're the only ones with any Mario Kart love left at this company. But I that one looks... It looks good. Like, I did yeah. not play the 3DS one. I did not... Uh, I play... The only time I played the Wii one is because... I've been at people's houses and they just have a Wii and that's kind of yeah. all they own. But that version of the game didn't really do a lot for me. I hate playing it with the Wiimote controls, with the accelerometer stuff. Uh, Patrick, yeah. what is the Wii? What was the Wii? I just, it, had, it had some good games. I, yeah. I, did, I didn't appreciate that joke. The Wii had some good games. 
It did. It did have some very good games. Zack and Wiki. Zack and... Zack and Wiki, yeah. That game was kick-ass. No one played that it. That was super good. That was, that, was, that, 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 was a, that was the the most depressing 8.5 I ever gave. <laughs> because I knew no one was going to buy that game. But oh, that was they should good have. Game. That was a good game. It was game. really good. And, yeah, that new Mario Kart looks terrific. I, I, I'm actually super looking forward to playing that, actually. That's why I was super bummed that Nintendo wasn't there. Because, I sure. mean... You can say what you want about Smash Brothers. Maybe it wasn't ready to show. That's fine. But it's like you got Mario Kart coming out. You got Mario Golf, at least, for the 3DS. There's a few games coming out that they could have showed, and they just didn't. And I think that was kind of stupid. I, and I there's a lot of stuff coming movie. out in May. Yeah. Uh, Mario Kart comes out in May. The new Kirby for 3DS comes out in May. Tomodachi comes out in June. Weird time for them to not have a public presence for a bunch of games that people could then turn around and buy. Yeah, I don't know. It seemed like a really good marketing opportunity. They just kind of let go, and to which I say, whatever, dudes, whatever. Uh, the only other uh, big announcement that I saw was the uh, the announcement of Civilization Beyond Earth. Yeah, you mentioned uh, that briefly at the panel, but I don't... What is that? Is this the spiritual successor to Alpha Centauri? That is Centauri, exactly what it is. Right? Did yes. I that? So AI, uh, EA still owns that uh, that that license, so they are making uh, what they call the spiritual ah, spiritual successor to that game. Uh, I never really played Alpha Centauri, but I love the shit out of Civilization, so this still sounds super great to me. Uh, it's they are taking the concept of Civilization, they are launching humanity onto uh, 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 an alien planet. And it is up to them to develop that civilization against other rival, you know, alien and I think maybe possibly other human colony civilizations. Uh, it's interesting because you're not playing as a character or a specific, uh, you know, like like culture the way you do in regular civilization. You have like these three different types of humans, one of which are like the, the purity, which uh, is all about just maintaining human culture as it has existed, you know, resisting all alien influence. Uh, there's one that is all about inclusion. So it's about adapting to whatever alien planet that you, you get to. So you have to, like, kind of change. It, it, you're basically, your technology and your progression is about integrating yourself into whatever this alien world is that you've landed on. And then there's, like, a, a, I forget what it's called, but there's a tech one where it's all about, like, transhumanism, basically. It's about using robotics and technology to create sort of the great cybernetic future that I have always dreamed of. So they're not, like, that. those are the, the, the main differences, but it sounds like it still progresses in a similar way to the way, like, Civ Five did, uh, which means that I'm probably going to play another thousand goddamn hours of that game when it comes out. I've never seriously played a Civ game before, not because I had a bad experience. It's just a series that has passed me by, and strategy has never sort of been a thing I've spent too much time dabbling in. But I, I feel like I feel like I need to change that, and maybe this inclusion of sci-fi is just the thing to drag me over uh, and convert me uh, in a way that you know, sort of the traditional Civ setup, uh, at least you know just the general premise just hasn't caught me but this cybernetic feature you're talking about yes it sounds pretty good yes it's exactly like google glass except there's implants in your eyes and it makes everyone look like hulk hogan and the ultimate warrior it's like you're always talking to the ultimate warrior it's fantastic and i love that they announced this game and then you know we're so used to these days a game getting announced and like well see it in two years when you know we get through our full you know, hype cycle, and instead they announced this at PAX and said, hey, by the way, it'll be out this fall. Yeah. 
That's great. It was, you know, really good announcement trailer. Like, they did a really long interview in a couple of different places. Uh, the PC Gamer one was one that I, I got the most information out of. Seemed like a really good deep dive on what that game is. Sounds like it'll be at E3. I cannot wait to play it. Uh, I am also dreading it, because once that thing comes out, you're not going to hear from me for, like, a month. Uh, just know that I am still alive. That is what I am doing with my time. Yeah, it sounds fantastic. I, you know, I was, you know, sort of... You know, hoping that we'd hear like an XCOM two or something like that. But I knew, I knew, I knew it was too early to hear what that team is on to next, and it made yeah. more sense that uh, we would hear from the Civ team first. But that does mean we are one step closer to hearing what the XCOM team is working on next. So, admittedly, I'm a little bit more excited about what the Civ team is working on. Like, I got what I wanted out of XCOM. I'm ready for a little break from that stuff. Uh, I remember when I was talking with Jeff in the car on the way to Boston, I thought it was just going to be Civ 6, but I am no less happy about what they actually announced. Uh, the sci-fi thing sounds like a really neat twist on it. I think you should play it, Patrick. It's, well, it seems like, you know... Civ 5 was really, really well received. It and was. Probably Civ 6 would have been received well uh, in, a, in addition to that, but, you know, maybe, you know, mixing it up a little bit <clears throat> gives them a little leeway that, you know, when they inevitably get to Civ 6, because they yep. will, you know, in three years, that then people are like, oh my God, it's been five years since one of those. I'm really excited again. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm, I'm. <clears throat> Willing to let that break happen so that I can play the sci-fi version. Other than that, uh, not a ton of news coming out of the show. No, they well, sort of. Uh, I got an email about this or an email tip uh, while we were at the show, and I didn't get a chance to follow up on it. But obviously, it turned out to be true. Uh, was that CCP announced they were uh, shutting down their studio in Atlanta, uh, which for right. the last like seven years has been working on uh, World of Darkness, uh, which is a uh, sort of vampire uh, series, and they were trying to adapt. It's a, I think a board game, and they were trying to adapt it into an MMO. Uh, they showed uh, a little bit of it when we were at Eve um, uh, Fan Fest last year, uh, Drew and I, and we're committed to still making that game. Uh, but it always seemed kind of half-hearted every time they talked about it, and even when they showed it at Fan Fest, it seemed more of, let's show you something to prove that it still exists. And uh, this idea that they've actually shut it down uh, does not uh, sort of surprise me in the least, uh, but obviously is you know, probably a disappointment to people who have been waiting yeah. for a long, long time uh, for that. I, uh, I This doesn't really tie into that, but I don't know. One of my favorite tweets that came out during PAX was just someone who took a picture of uh, some street graffiti that just said EVE Online. <laughs> like someone had just tagged EVE Online on a building somewhere, and that was... I don't know. That just that just made me happy all goddamn day thinking about that for some reason. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, I, I have to admit, with seeing stuff about Fan Fest coming up uh, for this year, a you little thinking about it. No, we we had the opportunity to go, um, but you know when we started to think about how that might work in terms of like what do you do a second time? You know, it's not. Mm. It, it'd be one thing if I spent the last year really getting into Eve Online and suddenly found myself on the inside and then was able to do a different angle but I don't I don't know that you could do a second year of Eve is crazy so let's go yeah. to the heart of Eve and try and uh, you know figure out what makes that tick uh, that's just you know we talking about it it, it would have been appealing to go to Iceland again 
Um, sure. But that wasn't reason enough, uh, especially for, you know, a trip that is company sponsored. You know, that is something that CCP sent us on last year uh, with right. zero restrictions. They had no problem with the fact that we barely talked about the game and their announcements. Uh, so, you know, when we do engage with those sorts of trips, that is kind of the ideal scenario um, in addition to disclosing that that's how we got there. Uh, right. So the idea that we would do another one of those where we were kind of just wanting to go because we wanted to go to Iceland again seemed like not the right reason uh, to go there. I think that is entirely valid. Uh, so you should send me instead because, God damn it, I just want to go to Iceland. Iceland is really cool. I do want to I want to go. go there again. Uh, after I got done with my six days there, all I wanted to do was just call up my wife and be like, hey, you should probably just book a flight. I'll just stay here for another six days. Uh, By the way, uh, mm-hmm. that uh, that uh, what was that? Was that that Black Death liquor that uh, that someone brought a bottle of to the panel? Yeah, that's not really that intense at all. Like, no, I, I, I had a couple of sips of it. And I was just like, this is just like kind of like mild peppermint schnapps. It's not that's, even really that brutal. So yeah, when uh, you know Drew and I went to Iceland last year, the one you know we did a little bit of research, but you know we were also hoping to just kind of gut feel our way through through Iceland and and show people that side of it. You know, one of the things that we did hear about was, you know, researching just the culture about how, you know, they, their, the only liquor they produce there is this thing, yeah, called Brevin, uh, which is the the Black Death. And so when we got to our hotel, the first night we're there, him and I were hanging out before uh, going to dinner with uh, a lot of the reporters that were out there and some of the CCP folks that were out there. So we're hanging out and we're just, we're drinking a beer, we're drinking one of the, the local brews and then... We asked the uh, the bartender, like, hey, do you, this is probably a bad idea at 4 p.m. right after getting off a flight, but do you have the Black Death? And he goes, oh, yeah, we got it. And we're like, well, let's do this. Let's just right, let's rip this Band-Aid off right now and let people know how it is. So, you know, Drew gets his camera ready, and then he pours it, and it's just this clear liquid. And yeah. I smell it, and it actually smells kind of pleasant. And yeah. I drank it. I was like, you know what? Compared to things like Malort, which has a deceptive name that doesn't tell you that it is pure death and basically mm-hmm. putting gasoline in your mouth, Black Death really isn't all that bad. If you're going to call something Black Death, that shit should be able to literally kill you like in an instant. It, it, I, I don't like it when people invoke such metal terms for such mild liquors. I'm just saying. Yeah, and it was disappointing because I actually don't mind uh, Brevin. I don't drink it all that often, but I'll bust it out when we're having people over so that I can be like, hey, like, there's an interesting liquor from a different part of the world, uh, but you, I wasn't checking a bag, so I couldn't bring it back with me. So I just Fair. I took it, and instead of throwing it in the trash, I just went around the corner of the hotel, and I set it down on the ground, and I, I hoped it found its way. Yeah, I figured it probably did. It figured. found its way into someone's mouth, I'm sure. Yep. Uh, well, I think that was kind of our PAX experience, wouldn't you say? I think so. If people have some questions they want to drop into the chat, uh, I will express again my disappointment at PAX South being in San Antonio. Yeah. Which is not Austin or Chicago. Is, is San Antonio a big convention town? That like, is I what really I that is what it. I was uh told by some folks. I want to see okay. I'm loading up Google Maps right now. I want to know how far San Antonio is from Austin cuz I can I drive to Texas. It's actually not it's like a yeah, 9 like hour a, drive or something like yeah. that. All right, okay. So actually Austin is before 
San Antonio. Okay. So I, I don't take this to mean that we are going to San Antonio. I have no idea if that's something Giant Bomb will end up committing to. We certainly cannot. I think legally most of us can't enter the state of Texas. <laughs> yeah, just been straight up banned. Like yeah. A website called Giant Bomb? Like, no, no, that's just not, not going to happen. Dr. Tracksuit, illegal in 38 states. Yeah, that's true. Uh, but I've never, I've never been to uh, to Austin, uh, and I've always wanted to go, which is why if it wasn't going to be in Chicago, I wanted it to be in Austin. So if it was in Indianapolis, would you have gone? Yeah, because it's close. That doesn't mean I'm yeah. happy about it. Yeah, eighteen hour drive. That's pretty far. That's, that's a little bit longer than I thought. That's a two day drive right there. Yeah, I don't know. That could be fun though. Anyway, I'm getting ahead of myself, but Indeed. yeah, a little a little upset that it was San Antonio. But what are you gonna do? What are you gonna do? Let's see. Uh, Fistful of metal. Anyone catch packs related sickness? No, but I'm sure you just jinxed us. Yeah, totally. I, if, I, uh, if I had to guess, Brad is the one who will get sick. He seems to be the one that tends to have his immune system compromised yeah. as a result of these shows. Other than being really tired, uh, I felt fine getting home, though I definitely saw a couple of people who looked like uh, the actual Black Death had, had come upon them. So, uh, Well, that was the thing. There was them. actually a warning put out the weekend that we were there in Boston that there was a huge flu thing going around so i was definitely terrified that something was going to get in me uh and so far so good but like gonna sit and knock on some wood but i feel okay now but i you know later this week i guess could be a complete disaster which is why i took yesterday off and just sat around and and caught up on on some games that i played a bunch of half mint hero 2 and beat monument valley and i can I can talk about those games on Friday because we're yeah. uh, we're we're running down on the show. But Monument Valley is a you should play that game. Everyone should play that game. It is fan fucking tastic. It is on iOS yeah. and is supposedly coming to Android sometime in the in the near future. Yeah, that and FTL are a really good one-two punch for the iPad lately. Uh, those are the two games I've definitely been playing the most of. Uh, I, I I think I'm just about done with Monument Valley. I know it's only a couple hours long if you know what you're doing. It so. is it is tremendously short. Uh, yeah. Uh, Gaff asks, oh, when are you going to play Valkyria Chronicles? Yes, someone at PAX, because I'd mentioned uh, Valkyria Chronicles seemed like a cool game to play. They shoved a copy of that in my hand, and I thought it was lovely that they apologized for not being able to get all of the GameStop sticker stuff off. They tried real hard. They got as much as they could off, but yeah. they didn't have actual, uh, you know, if you get a little, like, alcohol or something like that, you can get the rest of that off without ruining the package. But I, imp- I appreciated the fact that they apologized as they handed over uh, the copy. But, uh, yes, I do have a copy of Valkyria Chronicles now. No, I don't know what I'm going to do with it. Uh, I probably won't get a chance to touch a game like that till the summer. Uh, but, you know, uh, I will certainly keep... Uh, ideas of checking in with that game in mind if uh, I get around to playing it when we have a little bit more free time in the summer when there are less pressing games coming out. But Alex, we start the slow jog to soon a sprint to E3 <laughs> real, real goddamn soon. E3 is just around the corner. It Like, n- <coughs> no joke. Like, no joke, it totally is. Yeah. Uh, I think and- we are six weeks out. I think is the the number someone mentioned to me while we were at PAX each, which means oh, that God. 
We've got Google Docs open with guests that we're trying to figure out and we're trying to finalize our space at E3 and figuring out all sorts of sorts of nonsense. And uh, When you put it in those kind of numbers, that's when the panic starts to set in. Yeah, that's a completely reasonable way Feels to real respond. Sea uh, Christ asks, when will Spoon with Scoops be back? I will guarantee it being back next week. Because my wife is on a business trip all of next week, which means nice. I have a lot of free time to myself, and those are usually the best time uh, for me to sneak in uh, doing a two-hour stream at 8 at night on a weeknight. So let's say next week, probably like a Tuesday or a Wednesday, um, and uh, if people have suggestions for games, I will start thinking about uh, what we should do. We'll finish Blair Witch. We're at the end of that, but I don't know if I have the fortitude to see what those other Blair Witch games are. So we might have to think about uh, some other things. Uh, that is a fair, fair point. What are, what are you up to this week? Okay, so today I'm going to finally write up uh, my recap slash review of Wolf Among Us Episode 3, which oh, I'm right. able to play we, right before yeah, I left. I yeah. played that too. We'll talk about that on Friday after you've written your piece then. Yeah, I'll write that up today. Uh, I'm going to finally film that FTL new content, uh, Quick Look Solo, uh, either today or, or probably tomorrow. Uh, and beyond that, uh, it doesn't look like there's much coming out review-wise this week, but, uh, I'm sure I'll have some other stuff coming up here, and, uh, you know, just finally catch up on the last couple of, like, I still need to finish Infamous, so I'm probably gonna spend tonight or tomorrow, like, just finishing that up, so. What do you got other than that this week? You got anything else from, uh, from PAX to, to throw up? I know you said no dump trucks, but, like, any, uh, any other feature stuff? Uh, probably not, you know, I'm gonna start, you know, now that folks are filtering back into the office today, uh, I will... I will see what I can do about getting uh, the archive for my panel up, but you know Drew is going to be uh, busy editing together uh, everything from uh, there's you know the Twitch archive for our Giant Bomb panel, but you know he filmed that and we'll have like a really nice high quality version uh, that goes up on the site. So he's gonna be busy with that. So we'll see uh, when I can get around to getting uh, the archive together for uh, my panel. But uh, today, as is most day after uh, big conventions, is just well I didn't look at my email at all so i need to clean that up do expenses all sorts of really exciting things uh you know that are definitely part of creating content for a video game website uh but no, for nothing too exciting quite yet but uh i'm sure i will get some stuff together uh later this week and uh you know people have been asking a little bit about you know when i'll get back to doing uh, a daily video i'm still thinking about that I'm definitely not going to do ftl you know looking at that game it is a little too slow for uh, what I'd like to do, uh, an interesting game that someone did mention was State of Decay, uh, which, yeah. while not a roguelike, is a game of persistence uh, that uh, shares some elements of games that I have played that uh, might be fun to explore. So I've not played that game, but I have heard amazing things about it from people that did play it. So it's one that I am considering, so I'll throw that out there and see what people think. Uh, but I don't know. We'll see what else the, the week brings us uh, i know that max and dave and i had talked about getting together again uh for a chicago show i don't know if we can do that this week because those guys are out at pax east they might have right. stuff to catch up on too but uh you know we never said it would be every week but we would we did say we try and do it every week if we could so i'm gonna check with their schedules today see what we can't do uh, and see what sort of shit we can't stir up uh this week sometime so yeah. By the I way, uh, I feel like an asshole. I forgot mm -hmm. Trials Fusion is out today. That wow. is a game that I need to be playing right now. Like, I, we need to end this show immediately so I can go play that. Well, you know what? 
Your wish is my command. Fantastic. I'm going to end this show, and I will talk to you again on Friday. Ow! Ooh.